Welcome into the Vertical View Special Edition. This episode is me, Chris Williams, host of the Vertical View podcast, being interviewed by Mr. Dan Scott, the host of a podcast called The Dan Scott Show. Dan, a good friend, is a 33-year veteran of the print, digital, and broadcast media. And besides hosting his daily show, he works as the director of broadcasting and play-by-play voice of the Furman University Paladins. Born and raised in Williamson, West Virginia, Dan is a long-suffering fan of both the Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals. Dan has been married for nearly, nearly 30 years to his wife, Angela. They have two daughters, Samantha and Becky. Most importantly, Dan is a man of faith. His prayer is that the show and this website, found at thedanscottshow.com, will grow into something that can be used for God's glory and to make a difference in the lives of others. In this special edition of The Vertical View on The Dan Scott Show, Dan and I catch up and give an update on our mental health. A few years ago, Dan interviewed me, and for the first time, he gave me a platform to talk about my battle with clinical depression. In this episode, I give an update regarding my daily battle with clinical depression and anxiety and an update on my overall mental health. So if you're ready, I know I am. Let's get vertical. Our guest today has, has been a longtime friend of mine, um, whether he wants to admit it publicly or not. Uh, but Chris Williams is the former athletic director at Southern Wesleyan University and is now uh, making the world unsafe for people who love to live dangerously uh, by uh, building zip lines and climbing apparatuses or apparati, whatever the, the, the plural of that would be. And uh, it's always good to get a chance to catch up with him, even though occasionally I kick him without meaning to. Uh, but we're here to talk about a, a number of things, but specifically to follow up on a conversation we had three, maybe four years ago when he spoke publicly for the first time about a battle with depression. And uh, since mental health has obviously been in the in the news and, and on the minds of a lot of people throughout the last 18 months or so with COVID-19 running rampant across the country. thought it would be a good opportunity to catch up, follow up, see how he's doing now, and remind him of how just desperate one has to be to be a Cubs fan. <laughs> Chris, how are you, my friend? I was really good until you brought the Cubs up. And usually for the last couple of years, I've been able to kind of give it to you, uh-huh. being a Reds fan, that we were superior, we being the Cubs. So I have now said them as the Cubs because we've <laughs> sold everyone off. And um, Well, I, you know, i, I got to correct you on something. I, there, there, There is no circumstance, including a world championship in 2016, where a Cubs fan can be superior to anybody. Okay. <laughs> I, I like you, despite the fact that you're a Cubs fan. Well, we could argue about this nonstop, and and we usually do yeah. when we get together. And so, but right now, I got nothing to say. Like we we're horrible. <laughs> we are back. Like we talked earlier, we're back to being the maybe even the lovable losers. I don't know. Well, and, and I don't love them, but we're losers. And, and this comes from obviously a, a fan of a team that's had, I think, now eleven winning seasons since 1990. So yeah, uh, yeah. you, you know. I, 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 you guys I, aren't awesome either. I, I kid because I care a little bit. <laughs> How are you? It's good to see you. I'm good, I, and uh, I'm I'm glad to see you. It's been it's been too long. We for a while there we were able to connect, and and I think just life circumstances have have kept us apart. Well, we both live in the same general area uh, right. right right outside of, of Clemson in, in the central South Carolina area but my life work life has me over here in, in Greenville at right. Furman University pretty much on a daily basis so while I live there and I go to church in Seneca 
in the other direction, my work life is all over here and, and of course, on the road doing the broadcasting thing. So, but that's no excuse. I need to be better about you do. maintaining you do. conversation. Thank you for, for <laughs> reminding me of that. But uh, the family is, is well. You, you have been inundated with weddings, basically, what I've yeah. seen on, on social media. Every couple of years, it seems as though. So I've got, as everyone knows, five kids, and I do know how it happened. And so we have, yes, been, we've got three of them married off. We've got the two we call the little boys, air quotes, uh, now a senior in high school and a sophomore in high school. So, yeah, life just continues to go. And um, we're grandparents, expecting a third here soon. But, yeah, this this spring, it was life. It was all about the wedding. So the our daughter got married in the end of May, and so everything revolved around that, as all weddings do. Now, is it one daughter and four sons? Uh, three, three sons, two daughters. Three sons, two daughters. So, so you have had to pay for two weddings, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so you and I are in the same boat. But is you what, know, I'm, what I'm getting at. Yeah, you know how it is with kids too. Like, do you really ever stop? Paying. No, you don't. Yeah. Um, because, yeah. My parents are still paying for me. So bo- Both of my daughters, when they come to our house, they, they treat us as a grocery store. They shop in our fridge and our freezer and our <laughs> cabinets and to take bags of stuff out when they go. And I'm like, what happened? Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you, go you're, home. You're, you're, you're working. You, you have jobs. Yep. You know? Yeah. Stop taking my food. <laughs> exactly. Maybe bring me something. Yeah. You, you took mine for... 18, 20 years, or however long you were in the house, 22 years with college and everything, go away. <laughs> Leave the grandchildren for a couple hours and then come and get them and take them away. But uh, no, it, it's it, it's it's good. Life is good, and I'm glad to hear things are, are going well with you. When life is good, so I have hair now, which you can't see on the, on the broadcast, and you're half of yourself. Yeah, well, almost. I've yeah. lost. I've lost about 180 pounds. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, like kudos to you. And I don't know which is more important because I used to I used to tell one of my friends who is a cardiologist guy I graduated with. He's a cardiologist in in Huntington, West Virginia, which in one sense is scary because we we went to school together from junior high on, so I really know a lot about this guy. <laughs> but he, he's a great cardiologist, Daniel Snavely. Love you, pal. Um, but I used to tell him cause he started going bald early and, and he would gig me about, you know, my weight and I yeah. would say, yeah, I can lose weight. You ain't growing any new hair, pal. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, but you so have, I, maybe I turned that around. You have grown yeah. hair. So for 20 years of living here in the South, moved here in, I believe, 04, uh, from New York. Mm-hmm. So in 04, 05 or 03, 04, let's get the years right. I had bet the team I was coaching at the time, you can't win this many games in a row, which was six. And it would have culminated in a tournament championship, blah, blah, blah. So I bet the ladies. I said, and if you do, you can shave my hair off, thinking this will never happen. And at the time, I loved my hair. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I had good hair. And um, it happened, <laughs> right? And this is when my Emma, who just got married this past May, I don't even remember how old she was. Let's say she was five. We go underneath the the gymnasium after the big win, and and everybody's gathered around, and they've the ladies have got the razor out, and they're ready to buzz, and they do. And Emma goes, "No, right? Well, I haven't had hair in twenty years, so everyone down here in the South has seen me with the basically blade, mm-hmm. you know, one number one um, haircut." Which was super simple. You get up, you spit on your hand, and you rub it across your head. Right, exactly. Good to go. Well, when the pandemic hit and the transition of jobs, my wife said, well, who do you have to impress? Grow your hair out. Let's see if you can do it. So I did. And so now I can walk around town. And if you have a mask on, it's even harder, as everyone knows. But I can walk around town, and people will look at me like, I think I know that guy, but he's got hair. Well, you remember... Last year, you yelling at me in a Walmart, and you were wearing a mask, yeah. <laughs> and I did not recognize you with the mask yeah. and the hair. Well, and I was yelling "Stud Muffin" across the way. Yeah, well, so I, I don't. I, another, I didn't know if you knew that was your nickname or not. Well, another guy yelling that, I try to ignore it and, <laughs> and, and move on. But that's another story for another time. Um, all, all, all kidding aside, it, it, it's good to 
to laugh and, and joke and, and to see you in, in this kind of mood because I, I know from what you told me, obviously I haven't lived it. I wasn't with you on a day-to-day basis, but I, I know the, the way that you bared your soul with me in, in the conversation that, that we had, as I say, three or four years ago when you spoke publicly for the first time about your depression. I, I'm just thinking for people who who haven't heard that story, <clears throat> that, that, that maybe if, if you could give us just a little bit of a, of a recap about how you got there and, and, and how you've been able to come through it. And, and we'll expand on that last sure. part, obviously, later on. But how, how, did, how did you get to the point where you recognized that you needed help? Well, I, I, to quickly, just to go back, I, I think that circumstances some genetics, and also being male and career-driven, all were reasons why I found myself to be diagnosed clinically depressed. Mm -hmm. And then along with that, having high anxiety. Um, I think we realized it finally. It had been a couple years of kind of feeling like, what is wrong with me? Um, You become sleep-deprived. Um, because you would lay in bed and just constantly think about all the things that you should be doing or that you didn't do, but also um, you would you would also start to become paranoid. You know who's who's wondering if I didn't do that well enough. You would you would do that to yourself. So that whole what I'm gonna call spin cycle happened for about two years, and then finally culminated in. A crash, and walking into my at the time VP's office and saying I can't do this anymore, um, you know, and and we all know athletics is a is a job that is sometimes very thankless, um, and you can end up working way too many hours, and they're weird hours. So you're you're there early and you're there late, and then you're back in early, mm-hmm. right? And and then also just the pressures of small college athletics where you're trying to you know, maybe in a smaller scale here, we're sitting at in Furman's, uh, the Paladin Stadium here, that, you know, there's pressure to bring in money and revenue and um, exposure to your university. And, and even at, in my situation, it was, it was about tuition dollars and how many student athletes can you bring in. And you've, even when you do well, you have to do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then pile on your ego and wanting to win and all of that. Um, so all those things added up to um, maybe the lowest point in my life that I ever hit. And and w- you and I talked back then that I'm usually a very upbeat, positive person. And I found myself, I had become very dull and trapped by my circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to get out. For people who know you and, and the, the job that you did at Southern Wesleyan University. Um, and for those who don't know, one of the things, and, and maybe the crowning achievement uh, of Chris's tenure there was guiding the school through the process of transitioning from an NAIA school to an NCAA Division II university. And, and that was about a five-year process from start to finish with a lot of bumps in the road and and we probably don't have time to to go through all that but but it it was it was a process that I know took a lot of time energy blood sweat tears all of that before it finally happened and it was a great achievement having said that how much of what you ended up going through and where you ended up can you tie directly to that process looking back on it now almost two years away from it in a day-to-day capacity. I, I think that those circumstances really were the, the thing that pushed it mm-hmm. over the edge. I think it wasn't the 100% factor because the depression runs in my family. Mm-hmm. And so I have to give some of the, I'm going to say credit to that, um, yeah, interesting use of words, Dr. Right, Freud. Right. <laughs> but, but also, I'm male, and I think that if, if we're honest, um, we put so much pressure on ourselves as males and, 
and the beatdown in our society too, um, expectations, you're always trying to live up to something that's not real. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of it. But yeah, I, I would say the even in that setting and what I now see as the bubble, there, there was a lot of pressure and some of it was my own, putting my own pressure on myself to succeed because if we talked earlier, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it to the best of my ability mm-hmm. and I want everybody else's experience to be as awesome as mine is in that moment. And so, yes, I would say that it attributed to a, a large scale amount of the depression. One of the things that I, I have made it a mission of mine to do in, in the, the rebranding of the podcast is, yeah, we're still talking a lot of sports, uh, but to to do more of using it as a platform to share my faith in Christ and, and, and to to try and help others through through this platform, through the podcast, uh, when it comes to, to sharing Christ and, and what he's done in my life and, and what he can do for other people. The, the question that I have heard, and I know you've heard this, because you're, you're a believer, uh, you're a Christian, how can a Christian get depressed? Yeah. How, 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 how is that possible? If, if you have this... this life that is supposed to be full of, of, of joy and, and you have someone who walks with you step by step uh, as, as Jesus does it, and we know that, how is it possible for a Christian to, to get to the point where they are diagnosed with clinical depression? But it's a lot more common than I think people realize. Well, it's because I'm human. And it's funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm, I'm fallen. I'm not perfect. And just because, just because I have the label of a Christ follower or Christian, doesn't mean that there's not going to be things that I have to overcome, work through. Um, what I have found is I can't do it by myself, mm-hmm. and that was where I needed to get to because I'm I'm very stubborn to say, well, I can do this. So I'm that guy that I'm not going to ask for directions. So. If my wife's listening. I I am not going to stop and ask the question. We're just going to keep figuring it out. Um, so that egotistical drives me. Um, I, I think, though, I had to come to the realization that I needed counseling. Uh, I needed medication. I needed time away. I found that I needed change, mm-hmm. um, even in what I was doing in my career. And then, yes, to all of my church friends, I needed Jesus, too. Though I would say I had him, I needed maybe to be refocused, re-energized. But I needed all the other things as well. Well, And 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 God put those things into place. And and that's where I was going with with the follow-up statement for, for people who don't have... Christ in their lives, people who, who don't understand what it's like to, to, to do the Christian walk. And, and again, I, I can get into a lot of theology here, and, and one of the, the pet peeves I've had is, is the people who like to preach the prosperity gospel, that when you give your life to Christ, everything's going to be fine, all your problems are going to be solved, you're not right. going to have any money right. worries, you're never going to get sick, which we know is bull. Right. Absolute, unmitigated, as Colonel Potter would say on MASH, bull cookies. <laughs> Monkey muffins. <laughs> um, the, and I forgot where I was going with this when you start talking about mash. No, but but the bottom line is seven is and seven thirty on the CW. Yes, sometimes, sometimes, a, as hard as it is for for people outside of Christ to understand, He will use circumstances like this to bring you closer to Him, to refocus you yeah. on Him, and to refocus your priorities. Because what I'm hearing from you, and we've had this discussion yeah. before. Your priorities had gotten completely out of whack, and and this is a way that he said, "All right, it's time to refocus." So let's talk about that. Yeah. Right. So, so two years ago, uh, my wife and I made a decision that it was time to step away from college athletics mm-hmm. uh, as the career, and so I used the term loosely. I retired from college athletics after nearly thirty years of being in the industry. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and that was that was a combination of being a student athlete, a coach, and an administrator, you know, as a director of athletics, and all the things in between. And so that was a bubble or a season of life, as one of my good friends, uh, Dwayne Agard, who's who's now former AD himself and now teaches in sports at admin in Catawba, would say. Um, and we transitioned. And that was a scary time because here I am, 50 years old, 50-plus years old. I've worked in an industry for 30 years. I've worked in Christian higher ed, which is an even smaller bubble, mm-hmm. for that whole amount of time. And I thought, who's going to hire me? Like, and what can I do? And so then doubt creeps in again, right? And I, and I thought, well, here I go again. Like, here's change. Well, opportunity started to come. And so I, I actually joined my brother-in-law's company. It's called Vertical Engineering. I still work for them today as their executive director. And I took my skill set of maximizing and selling a vision and building something and help them move their business from A to B to where I feel like we, over the last two years, have been able to maximize and improve upon what was already an outstanding business. Mm-hmm. But also now to to really rebrand it, to get it out there, so people are now calling us instead of having to you know, really drum business up. And it, it's going well. And you can keep talking. I'm not going to charge you for the advertising plug. Yeah. So, so you, you just yeah, keep going. Yeah, thank you. Vertical Engineering. Check us out at the <laughs> veteam.com. So... Uh, but what what has happened, Dan, is that you know, I used to work sixty hours a week, mm-hmm. easy, and it was nights, and it was every Saturday. I now have opportunities, and I'm not saying I don't work for vertical engineering. I do, but because of the style of work that I've done in the past, I can get stuff done. And that's not bragging. That's just I had to I had to work that it's way. It's your skill set. Yes, and and so boom, let's get that done. And now I'm on to this one. Um, what has happened is God has has now given opportunities during this two year transition window of my life to do things that I never or I couldn't figure out how to get into my life because I didn't have the time or the energy, mm-hmm. frankly. So now there's these things that have popped in that I'm choosing to do that are adding value to my life, providing joy to my life. And some of the things I'm going to tell you, you're going to be like, well, how in the world does that bring you joy? (laughs) But it's also adding value to my community. So here's a great example. I now volunteer at the local funeral home. Yes, the funeral home. And it's weird. And and I I'll give you a little insight. I don't I really don't like dead people, like they it scares me. But I love the fact that I can go to my local funeral home, and I can be they call you the the associate funeral home associate, and as people walk in to either view see the family or be part of the ceremony the celebration of life that I can help them feel a little bit more comfortable about walking into a building that nobody wants to walk into. Right? right? Mm-hmm. Like even me as the volunteer, I don't really want to walk in there. It's weird. I find great joy, one, in being part of that team, providing that service to the community. I found great joy in um, meeting a family or a group of people who are walking in and consoling them in their time of grief. And I also find great joy in being the honorable one to be able to roll or transport your loved one to their final resting place. Mm -hmm. That sounds so weird. And I never would have thought that this would be something that would be an opportunity, but yet it is. And it has, it has added so much vitality to my life again that I feel charged. I feel, uh, like there's more purpose to my life. And, and it's interesting as I'm listening to that because that's something that only God could orchestrate. I mean, how else can you explain somebody who has been battling clinical depression and anxiety getting joy out of helping other people in an area where depression runs rampant because I just lost a loved yeah. one. It's like God said, you're in this situation, 
you need to refocus on me. I'm going to help you get through this, and then I'm going to put you back mm-hmm. almost in a similar situation mm-hmm. so you can take what I've done for you and now help other people. Yep, yep, yep. And then so another example of an opportunity, um, I felt a calling to reach out to some of my former colleagues, in particular my high school ADs. And so there's a high school within five minutes of my house. And I reached out to the AD and said, listen, like, one, I need you to know I don't want your job. I've done it. I don't need to do that. However, I now have some time due to my change in circumstances, and I would love to be able to take some things off your plate if you would allow me to and give you a better experience. Maybe you get home a little earlier and allow me to do some things for you, serve you in this way. And so I've been able to... Uh, work with the Daniel football team and do play-by-play online during the pandemic when they can only have, I can't remember the number, a thousand people in their stands. So we're helping the community to be able to hear and watch the game. Mm-hmm. We're, we're providing a little bit of revenue from lost ticket sales, and hopefully we've added more value to that athletic director and, and uh, to say to him or her, you know, you're doing a great job. Just let me help a little bit here. The other thing I'm hearing, it's like guys who retire and their wives get tired of them being around the house. She, <laughs> she wants you gone. You know, you're, you're not going to, you know, you've been out of the house for 30 yeah, years. You're, yeah. you're not going to be hanging around here messing up my system, pal. Well, so that's a funny story. So I, so for vertical engineer, I work from home, right? And so my wife, actually, and my kids help. We converted an old bedroom into an office space, and it's a great space, mm-hmm. right? So my wife now is an online adjunct professor for a number of different universities, and and uh, so we share the space, right? And so yeah, there's times she's like, you know, you you really just need to go, and I, I go, no, 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 this is my space, you're renting space from back here, right? And, and who's going to win that argument? Yeah, I so I end up going to the funeral home, or I'm down <laughs> at Daniel, or. Uh, so, so another opportunity, Dan, is that, um, and you can't see me, but I, I've got a pretty good tan going and people are like, man, you must be playing a lot of golf. And when people would ask me that before as an athletics director, I, I was like, I haven't played golf in months, right? Mm-hmm. That's the last thing I want to do. I just want to go home and lay on the couch after the week's over, finally. Well, now my dad will call, and he'll say, hey, let's go play golf. So we head out the Falcon's Lair, which is now called something. I can't remember the name of it now. Windsor at Wahala. And we play nine holes. And we're back within two hours. I'm back home, and I've played golf with my dad. Things that I couldn't have done before because Mm -hmm. of my schedule, the expectations of my work took me away from the very things that I really wanted to do but had no energy. Uh, And those are the things that kept piling up, right? And so now I'm able to do those things, and it's actually adding life back into me. It's recharging me, and I'm actually choosing to do more things, and I'm juggling more things now than I ever have. But what I would tell you is that I'm back. And what's Greeny say? Mike Greenberg, he goes, back and better than ever. We're visiting with Chris Williams, the former athletic director at Southern Wesleyan University. And now, what, what's your official title at Vertical Engineering? Well, they call me the boss. I'm technically not the boss. Right. I'm the executive director. Executive director of Vertical Engineering. And um, just, just kind of revisiting conversation we had uh, a few years back when he spoke publicly first time uh, about his uh, battle with uh, clinical depression and anxiety. And uh, we're doing it here on this edition of the uh, Dan Scott Show podcast. I think this is episode four since the rebrand. Um, all of these things I'm hearing are, are wonderful. And, and, and I, I can see, obviously, a, a difference in you. The, the question begs, though, with, with, with you, and you just used the term, you're juggling all these things. Are you concerned about putting too much on your plate and finding yourself drifting back in the other direction. Yep. Yep. And I have, I have to do a constant assessment 
Uh, are these things that are adding to my life? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's sucking me back down? And and so, have I defeated clinical depression and anxiety? No. I think it's going to be part of my life every day. Like, I'm going to have mental health illness every day. So I, I don't have a day where I celebrate. No. It's every day. It's a battle. And I have to get up every morning, and I have to speak it into existence. Today is going to be a great day. Because in my mind, what depression and anxiety and paranoia and whatever you're dealing with, these are the things I'm dealing with, they tell me today is going to be horrible. I can't believe all the things I have on my plate. I have to do this. Which all of that, to use your guys' term, is bull. Right, I was able to open my eyes and suck air. I should be thankful. Number one, God has allowed me to live another day, mm-hmm. and and we're going to the funeral home. Really remind you of that, okay? In a in a weird way. And then two, the things that are on my plate, like this morning, got up, took my son. Uh, we did a basketball workout together. He goes to school. I drive up here, I could have been like, oh, man, I got a 45, 52-minute drive to see Dan. Instead, it's like, I get to go see my buddy Dan, and we get to talk. Which is unusual what most people feel about coming to see me. It's usually the other way. Oh, I got to go talk to that guy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so it's really, you, you have to continually speak it into existence. And people think that's weird, and it is. But try it. I thought this is the weirdest thing, and I learned it in counseling which I thought counseling was for people who couldn't handle anything with their life. Mm-hmm. It turns out you just need a little bit of coaxing and help. How does that jive, though, with your faith? Because, again, you go back to what I was referencing a short time ago, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's the prosperity gospel or whether it's all the self-help books that you find out there, and and they they, they teach a lot of to a certain degree, what you're talking about there. So how do you reconcile that, that speaking it into being, so to speak, on a daily basis with your Christian faith? Well, I, I try to say also to be thankful for what I've been given. I'm not doing all of these things, but at the same time, I have a responsibility in my day-to-day to have a, a good attitude about it and to continue to walk through and to shine Jesus through the things that I do through the day. But if I get up and I'm grumpy about it, then I don't know that he's going to be too pumped about that. And I'm not saying I'm awesome at this, but it's what I try to do each day. Mm-hmm. And I was actually even tweeting it out, so it puts a little bit more pressure on you, right? Like, hey, today's a great day to have a great day. So let's talk a little bit about the counseling. God put this man, who's my counselor, and I'm not sure if I should say his name or not, but he's awesome, and he has developed a relationship with me, which has also strengthened my relationship with Christ to be able to allow me then to reconnect in a better way, a healthier way, even with my Lord and Savior through counseling. Mm-hmm. Right. I also go to a men's group, and I'm the young guy in there at 50, And it's amazing to me that we come together, share stories about our own clinical depression and anxiety from all different walks, and when we leave there, we feel stronger together, which I think is the community aspect of what God wants us to be a part of, is that we're all carrying each other's baggage and encouraging each other to keep going forward, Mm -hmm. right? And if somebody falls or stumbles... I got somebody there who's ready to help me. In fact, I have multiple people. And so I, 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 would, I don't know. I shoot it down and go, I think this is how God wants me to live. In my imperfect life, in my struggles, he wants me to continue to draw people into me and encourage me. And at the same time, I'm trying to do that for myself mm-hmm. um, and do that for others. Well, and the the point that I think that we have to make sure that we get across here is that your relationship with Jesus Christ is the baseline 
for all of this other stuff, that, that it's because of him that you're able to do these other things. And, and as you're sitting there talking about speaking this stuff, uh, the, the first thing to flash into my mind, and this is you know, generationally where I go, but I think to Al Franken's Saturday Night Live character, you're not sitting in front of a mirror saying, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and, and doggone people it, people like, like me. me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not what this is. No, no. You and you can't be you can't be Pollyanna about it. Right. Right. Not everything's not gonna be awesome. It's not. But there's a lot of stuff that is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I would rather live in that than to live in all the negativity. Dan, there is enough negativity in the world that I don't need to put more in my head. Like I'm gonna turn on the radio when I go home, I'm gonna listen to a certain radio station. And I'm going to hear a lot of negativity, especially from football people, fans, who've never played football, who have all the answers. Internet coaches are undefeated, by the way. Yes. And I, I turned it off. I turned it off. Does that mean I'm Pollyanna and all of those issues of the certain team that is in town that I would really like to be playing better? All their stuff didn't go away. But I don't need to keep filling my head and my heart with all of that stuff. You know, just because we're sitting on Furman's campus, you're allowed to use you're allowed to use <laughs> okay. that, that team's name. You, okay. you can say Clemson. The Tigers. It, it's the okay. Tigers. There you go. Um, it, you know, I, I was I went to breakfast this morning uh, with with my my dear friend Ron Smith, the former baseball coach here at Furman, who's going through his own very, very difficult situation with his wife right now, and it's just a, a chance for us to catch up for a short period of time. But on the way back, I flipped it on my, my Sirius uh, XM to Family Talk channel, and Focus on the Family was on. And I heard something, and I was literally in the process of, of typing out a, a Facebook post when you messaged me and told me you were here, so I didn't get to finish it. But the the, the speaker said... Nowhere in the Bible does God call us to be true to our feelings. God calls us to be true to Him, true to Jesus Christ. And and I think what happens a lot of times, we get so wrapped up in our feelings that we can, well, we can get lost Mm -hmm. in in, in more ways than one, Mm -hmm. but both both theologically and, and, and humanly, we can find ourselves lost and and that's hard for people to overcome to to it, it in one sense it doesn't matter how i feel because if the truth of scripture is what it is then that's what i have to believe mm-hmm. and i i just heard that this morning and and that really resonated with me so i this may not be 100% where you're going with it but <laughs> I, see I don't that know if as... I'm going anywhere with it. It just seemed to fit. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to see if this fits. I see that as we all have a calling. I have to choose to walk down that path. Whether you feel like it or not. Right. And I feel as though, now I can't, I can't say I feel, <laughs> I believe that God has called me to be part of his kingdom, and so I've accepted that, mm-hmm. and I rejoice in that. And, that. and those are a lot of Christian words. I find great joy in those things. But as a human, I still have skill set. I still have desires. I still have things I want to do. And I think that if you find your calling and you go down that path, I think he puts things in your way, one, to test you, but more importantly, I think he gives you, the word I used earlier, opportunities Mm -hmm. to then use your skill set, or in Christian world, we'll say talents, to do what? To bring him more honor and glory. Now, do you get some of that too? Yes. Yes. But that's where your calling becomes you're following after him, you're chasing after him, and then he puts all of these opportunities in your way. And man, I'm not smart enough to do all that stuff, but I still keep stumbling into all of these things, and I'm finding there's more and more opportunities that are given to me every day. Um, So 
Here's a great example to go down that road. Two years ago, my daughter takes me to a concert for King and Country. If you've never listened to these guys, I would encourage you to do so. It's a great family story. It's two brothers from Australia moved to Nashville, and now they've hit it big. Why they resonate with me is they sing a lot. Their lyrics are a lot about the struggles, the adversity um, in our lives, a lot of it to do with anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And their songs bring you hope. They, They give you a realistic understanding that we all seem to struggle with something and that there is someone who can pull you out of your despair and set you on a new path and that ultimately you will find joy which is where I want to live. I want to live in joy. I found, and here's one of their songs, it's called Run Wild. And some of the lyrics go like this. Don't you want to run wild, live free. Love strong, you and me. You're a lion full of power who forgot how to roar. You're an eagle full of beauty, but you can't seem to soar. You return to the garden where we were first made whole. Will you turn to the one who can liberate your soul? Don't you want to run wild and live free? That's how I want to live. And so I, I ended up at the concert Sunday night. What, what's that called? Bon Secours Center. Mm-hmm. Whatever that's the called. The well. The well. And I'm standing there, and God reminded me through these lyrics when they started singing this song that I was the lion who forgot how to roar. And in athletics terms, I felt him hitting me on the butt, as inappropriate as that might be in church. And he said, get back in the game. That's what he's done for me over the last two years. Is he's, he's encouraged me. He's pushed me forward. He's put opportunities, boom, boom, boom. And I just keep walking into them. And he continues to add joy. And I'm finding my roar again. Live wild live free love strong you and me it's pretty good stuff it's sweet yeah it's sweet who doesn't want that but yet we find ourselves filling our head and our hearts and our souls with all this other crap and i'm choosing to try to delete that stuff i'm even telling my friends on facebook if you keep retweeting those stories about that i'm out i'm blocking you and he's like, no, you would never do that. Go, yes, I will, because I'm trying to protect my soul because I want to run wild, live free, love strong, you and me. It's a choice that everybody has to make. A lot of people seem to be happy in their misery. And, and, and the, the more drama they can be involved in, the, that, that seems to be the only way some people can function, and I have noticed myself here of late kind of doing the same thing. You know, cut that out of your life and focus more on what's important. Focus on, on the, I won't even say on the things you can control, because ultimately God is the one who's in control. Try to focus on Him. Let Him take you where He wants you to go. And are you going to run into negativity? Are you going to run into stumbling blocks? Are you going to run into to pain and all of those things? Absolutely. Yes. You absolutely are. But I think what, if we don't get anything else across here, with Christ as the basis of your life, you're not going through it alone. <clears throat> and one of the things that we, we have been talking about recently in some of the messages I've heard and, and listened to, and I'm, I'm listening to a series with David Jeremiah now and, and one that he just wrapped up on Elisha. The, the, the truth of the matter is that God does not always deliver you from the circumstance, but he will always be with you through the circumstance. Sometimes he will. Sometimes he'll remove the mountain. But sometimes you're going to have to climb that mountain, or sometimes you're going to have to go right, you're going to tunnel right through it. But he's always going to be there. Yep. Yep. And I get to choose, even in the midst of my depression and anxiety, which hasn't left me, Mm -hmm. how I'm going to cope with it. How I'm going to get on with my day and try to be positive, uplifting, and have a joy filled day. 
That is so much better than where I was, which was just downtrodden, tired, and I'll say it this way, without joy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to live there. And I, I have a responsibility to choose that and to not fill my, my heart, my head, and my soul with all the other stuff. Is it going to hit me? Yes. But it's how then do I react and keep filling myself with all the other stuff. Chris Williams is our guest on this edition of the Dan Scott Show podcast, former athletic director at Southern Wesleyan University. And catching up uh, three, four years after we first talked and his first public talk back then about battling clinical depression and anxiety. And um, the, the, the thing that, that I love to see, Chris, is part of your calling is <clears throat> your willingness to publicly talk about this, to make yourself vulnerable, <clears throat> excuse me, to, to use it in a way, hopefully, to help other people. And that's your testimony. You know my testimony and, and the things that, that I share publicly and the things that my wife, nine and a half years later, has to sit and listen to me share publicly mm-hmm. about the knucklehead. She gets to. About the knucklehead that I was. Yeah, I think now she gets to. It, yeah. it used to be she had to early <laughs> okay. on, but but now now she gets to. Yeah. You're right. Uh the the Yeah, cuz look where you are today. The, the change the change in my life. And, and back in March I, I I had one of the great joys of my life. I went back to my home church in West Virginia, small church that my dad pastored for 37 years and now is pastoring again. Came out of retirement because they needed some help. And I spoke and I, I shared my testimony with in front of uh, a lot of people who were there as I was growing up in that church, who who knew me from the time I was eight, nine years old up until, you know, I was 17 or 18, and just just laid, bared my soul as to the type of person I was and the change that Jesus Christ made in my life. And, and one of the, the men told my dad afterwards, he said, I don't know that I could have stood up there and, and said all those things. And my dad said, that's his testimony, you know? And you know how hard it was for me to say that stuff in front of my parents? Right. You know? Right. But, right. but, but that, that was an obstacle. And, and the point being, that I don't want this to be about me, but the point being is that I, I've been saying lately as I've been looking for more opportunities that God has given me a talent to speak, he's given me a, a message to share and a burden to share that message, I get the feeling that you have kind of the same thing going on here. Yeah, I I think you're super talented with that, and I think it's I think it's your calling, and you continue to try to walk through that. I feel like for me, yes, um, I get great energy from it, um, but at the same time now I've, that I've, I'll say that I continue to walk through it, and I feel like I'm going on the other side. It's it's still struggle days. When it rained five days in a row, it was hard. It was it was hard to get up out of bed. And to speak truth and positivity in that moment, like, man, this is horrible. What the heck? It's raining again. It's hard to get out of bed. But yeah, so I've I've joined joined forces with an association called um, called NAMI, South Carolina. You know, it's the National Alliance for Mental Illness. And last night I was at a game at at Daniel with it was R.C. Edwards and um, Gaddy's Middle School, mm-hmm. and just talking about mental health. And sharing, sharing our stories, and 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 trying to let people know that you're not alone. These these feelings you are feeling, the things that are going on within inside you, you're not by yourself. Is it unique to you? Maybe so. But you're not alone in how you are right now. But also that you need help, and that there are people out there that are willing and able and desiring to come alongside you. And that's that's what I hope. I'll throw this out there, Dan. As a as a former athletic administrator, I would have never shared my cell phone number in any platform yeah, like yeah, this. No, no kidding. But I'm going to do that, <clears throat> if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's anyone out there that just needs to talk about this stuff, text me, 864-952-6937. 864-952-6937. Six nine three seven. Tell me you heard this, and just reach out and go. Hey, my you you don't even have to tell me your name. 
I'm struggling with this. I just need someone to talk to. That's it. And if we wanted to go deeper with that at some point, you and me, just like the song says, love strong, you and me, then let's do that. Um, I do feel like as a male that deals with anxiety and depression, it's time to talk about it. And it's time to let other males in particular, in athletics even more strongly, that it's time to buck the trend that you just have to grind more and get through it. Sometimes you got to step back, take a breather, and work on it. Just like you're going to work on a set, you're going to work on a play, sometimes you got to step back and look at it and go, all right, so why is this thing working? Draw it up again. Self-scouting, so to speak. Yep, we do that every day. You're going to watch that and practice today with the Paladins down here. Why can't we do that with our mental health? Why? Is it because we can't see it, or is it because we're too proud? And we don't want to say that we're weak or we're struggling with something. When yet every day the coach down there in the field goes, all right, we, we can't get this done. Why? Let's figure it out. Let's step back. Where's our weakness? We need to make that a little bit better. We should be able to do the same thing with our mental health and not be ashamed of it. As we wrap it up, what are the safeguards, if any, that you have, and, and you may have already touched on some of them, but, but the safeguards you have to assure yourself as much as you can that you're going to continue to go forward and, and not find yourself slipping backward? Because you've said yourself, it's a daily battle. Yeah. So, so what, what safeguards do you have in place to make sure that that daily battle, as tough as the day may be, it is still a day where at the end of the day you can say, I may have only gone forward a half step. Yeah, I but may have it, gone but backwards it, but, today. It, but at least I didn't go back. Yep. So I check in with, with people uh, who know my situation. And some of them may, have, may be dealing with their own. And so we're checking in on each other. I'm doing that tonight, uh, 8.30 with a buddy. Um, so I try to have those, and I schedule those. They're, just, they're not haphazard. Mm -hmm. Second thing is, is, is I continually try to find things to pump into my brain that are positive. So music's a big deal for me. Sometimes I find myself listening to some 80s music a little too much because I'm from that era, and it's not always the most positive of lyrics. You're not so, trying, you're, with a hair girl, you're not trying to grow back into a hair band guy, are you? Yeah, I, I might be taking John Bon Jovi's spot. I mean, they might be coming back out on tour. I don't know. <laughs> so I don't think he has anything to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> so so I need to make an adjustment there. You know, I, I, I'll... I'll listen to some for King and Country, whoever else I, I'm into at the time. Um, and, and then lastly, I'll, I'll just share my, my wife is the person who knows me the best. And so she can continually look at me and be honest about, okay, this is where I see you going. This is what I see you choosing to do. Maybe you need to check yourself. And, you know, maybe at time to time, I'm like, what are you talking about? And then as I walk away from that and actually assess myself after what she said, very mm -hmm. pointed, I can see it. And, and that helps me stay on target. I think we both can say that, that we have wives that are saints who have stood by us in different circumstances, sure. obviously. Sure. But, but have stood by us through there. How's your relationship now? Now? I would say. How, how was it and how is it now? Well, I, I think because we were doing our jobs as parents and doing the grind of work, life, that it got out of whack. And I think during those times you become you become distanced and, and even at times callous and you just go through the motions. I think that over the last two years we've been able to reconnect, uh, maybe get back to and add more depth um, that's one of the things I didn't share was that opportunities have been because we both work remotely. Mm -hmm. We can do that anywhere in the world. And so we've been to Merle's Inlet and other places to see things that we always didn't have time to do. Drive down there on a Friday, stay overnight, see the beauty, do our work, travel home. And we're together over all of that time rather than spending eight hours away from the very people that you really wanted to spend your whole life with. Right. 
right? And so those things, that, those have been good changes for me and her. It, you know, it's amazing because when the pandemic shut college sports down, you know, it, it shut baseball season down. And, and so my, the two-thirds of my college baseball season was gone. There was no minor league baseball season in the summer of 2020, which I do the Greenville Drive. Right. Uh, and, and as it turned out, there would be no fall football. We played in the spring. So I went from March the 10th to November the 25th without broadcasting anything <laughs> and, and was on furlough for the months of June and July in 2020. So it was a, a lot of circumstances that you've not been through before. But the thing that it did, and, and, and please, as my pastor says, do not hear what I'm not saying. The pandemic is not a good thing. But Angela and I got to spend so much time together that we normally don't get mm -hmm. because of my job mostly, but her job in the school system as well. And, and we got to actually take a full-fledged vacation, just the two of us, for the first time in 30 years. Now, we've had vacations, but we've had kids and, and, yep. and oh, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But just the two of us, and, and do some things. So even in the midst of that, God used that opportunity to bring us even closer. And as you said, I think that was a great phrase, add depth yep. to the relationship. So I, 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 get, yeah. I get what you're talking about. I think I think there are opportunities all over the place, but sometimes we are so out of balance we don't even see it. Right? Mm -hmm. Opportunities. Like I never had time to go to a Clemson football game. I live five minutes from the stadium. But because I was always working and at a game myself, mm -hmm. I couldn't go. Well, what are the things that my boys and or my dad really love to do? They love to go down there and watch them play. Now I get to go. It's an opportunity. I saw it, but it was one more thing. Ugh. Now I get to go. Yes. I have the time. Let's <clears throat> do it. It's a, it is an opportunity. And, and I said we were in wrap-up mode, and we are, but as, as you say that, one of the things that, that I'm kind of, I don't think struggling's not the right word, but I, I am, and I don't mind sharing this, I'm, I'm in a, a season where I'm praying for God to show me, not, not even what's next, but you know, okay, am I where you want me? Is, is this yeah. what you want me to be doing? And what I'm finding is that maybe I'm afraid to let go because I have something of a comfort zone. I'm afraid to let go. And because I'm afraid to let go, is that keeping me from that next opportunity? Even in the midst of what you were going through, did you find yourself afraid to let go? Yes. And this is a whole nother show, Dan. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> book me. Uh, my identity was wrapped up in what I did. And I loved it. I loved it until it became so much that I couldn't even love that anymore. Mm. Uh, it sucked the it sucked the joy right out of me. Um, so stripping that away, it was really hard because egotistically I liked being known. What I found was when I walked back in the Sardis on a Wednesday for lunch, I was still greeted because I'm still Chris. Right. Wasn't that just because I wasn't the athletic director anymore. It wasn't that they didn't want to talk to me now. But I think that's what this fear, the paranoia, our egos start to tell us all of these things which aren't true. Well, no one's going to love me anymore. No one's going to want to spend time with me anymore because I don't do X, Y, and Z. I won't know what to do. And that might be true. But it doesn't mean that there won't be other opportunities that come along to use your skill set, the very things that God gave you, mm -hmm. And that you navigate down that path, and maybe it changes a little bit. You've already done that. 
to go from being a radio broadcaster to, to doing what you you veered and you made the adjustments and opportunities kept coming along. Did they come when you wanted them? No. But did they come? Yes. And so maybe there's a something else that's out there. Let's actually take maybe out and go, there will be something else out there. And he's going to make it come true. Mm-hmm. Keep going. You have to be willing. And, and actually, here recently, as I've been praying about just this type of thing, I, I've, I've physically, because you, know, you, you can say it and you can do it, but physically I've taken my hands and I've unclenched them. And I said, this is me letting go. God, I'm, I'm, I'm opening my hands. I'm letting go of my, of my, whether it's my career or whether it's my, you know, my own, um, however you want to phrase it. I'm, I'm, I'm letting go and, and letting you put in this hand what you want to put in this hand. And, and that's, not, that's not easy to do. Yep. It, it's scary. Yep. All right, so I, I know I'm doing shameless plugs today. I'm going to do another one. For King and Country, they have a song called Control, mm-hmm. all right? Because I had to deal with this. I had to let go. Mm-hmm. And I had to physically stand just what you just did and open my hands up because we all walk around with a clenched hand. Every single one of us do. And we hold tight the things that we find dear. And in the song, I'm just going to read the lyrics real quick. You asked me to let go, but I thought I knew better. Afraid of surrender and what I don't know. I've always had a plan, but now I'm so weary, and I can't see clearly, and I forgot who I am. Wow. Wow, right? Pretty good stuff. There's a story that I heard uh, about a guy who died and went to heaven, and when he got there, the Lord took him into a room, and in that room was, was a door. And the guy asked God, what's behind that door? And he said, that's all the blessings I wanted to give you. But you wouldn't let go. And it sounds, sounds trite to a certain degree. But I think that's a lesson for all of us. And especially when you're dealing with something like you've gone through with your battle eventually you have to come to a point where you realize you can't fix it anymore. Yeah, I couldn't and, do and, it. And you've got to let go. Yep. It's not easy. And I, we'll say out there to anyone who's listening to this or will listen to it, um, we're not saying we have the answers, but we're willing to walk alongside you. But we know the one who does. We know the one who does, and we would be willing to talk to you about that. Um we have people who are more experts even in that area that we can point you to. Um, but I, I know for me, I can't get through my day-to-day as well as I think I do it now without the many blessings and opportunities that are put in front of me by the God Almighty. Mm-hmm. Give people your phone number one more time. 864 952 Six nine three seven, and I, and again, I do not give this out lightly because, <clears throat> like I said on the broadcast at the Daniel football game the other night, ads in the day, ads don't get nice emails, and when a parent calls, they're not calling to say good job, they're calling to say little Susie and Johnny, how come they aren't playing more, mm-hmm. and your co- coach is horrible or whatever, so know that if. If you're just wanting to chat, talk, um, connect, you know, you want to do coffee. I love coffee. I'll buy the coffee. Let's let's get together and talk, and let's um, let's try to help each other get through the day. Chris Williams, thank you for not only your friendship, but you're you're willing to be open. You're willing to be vulnerable and share the the, the things that that you've been through the painful things you've been through in an effort to try to help other people. If, if more people would be willing to do that, the world would be a better place. Thanks, Dan.
Well, we have reached the end of another episode of the Vertical View Special Edition, hosted by Dan Scott and the Dan Scott Show. Thanks to Dan for allowing me to use his podcast and the opportunity to share my struggles with clinical depression and anxiety, and for allowing me the opportunity to give an update and to share this episode on the Vertical View. If you love the Vertical View, please subscribe, rate, and give us reviews on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, or any of the platforms that you listen to your podcasts. Also, for more information about me, follow me on Twitter at VE underscore executive. Well, I'll see you the next time at the Vertical View.